Hey, so this is a great morning for you to be here. Uh, it is awesome to have everyone here today. And the reason why it's a good day is because we're actually kicking off the, the last four months of 2018. What we have found at Second Place is that our rhythms of the calendar are really not quarters as much, but trimesters. So every four months, we kind of reset the room, we kind of reset everything, and we kind of start to get after it for the next four months. Um, we just finished last week a four-month uh, run uh, which was themed Discover the Wonder. And we talked about all, kinds about all kinds of different things about the wonder of God, the wonder of rest, the wonder of creation, the wonder of God being in the middle of our mess. All of those things we covered, and it was a blast. But now today we're starting something new. We're starting the next four months of our year, the last four months of 2018. And the reason why you have a calendar on the back of some of that information or on the front, depending on which one you're looking at, that calendar is there for you to see what is staring at you for the rest of 2018. Don't like, like tell yourself a story. Don't fake yourself out. That's literally the last of the days of this year. And so my question to you is, how are you going to get after it over those next four months. And, and I think the, the thing that I would say too is this, the reason that I'm theming it, get after it, is because what is it? What is the thing? And, and I think we're gonna talk a little bit about that today for sure, but for the next four months, you are going to be inundated with opportunities to connect, opportunities to be stretched, to, to maybe make somebody happy by showing up to something. You're gonna have family events, you're gonna have sporting events, you're gonna have Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. And in the middle of all of that, what I'm asking you to do is to get after it. And the it is your heart, your soul. That you would find a way not only to be here on the weekend, because this is absolutely the best place to start and to connect within the second place community, but then to add one thing during your week that you can then pour into your soul and allow God to pour into you so that you can give and you can be the light that you need to be. And so my question to you is, what is it for you? Weekend plus one. So some of you um, that, are, that are at ONU, you have growth groups starting soon. That might be your plus one. Others of you are going to hear about Alpha and Equip and mentoring program throughout the month of September, and I'm going to be challenging you not to do everything, because that's how sometimes we'll feel, but absolutely not to do nothing either, but simply to find that one thing that you can get after that's going to just kind of like bolster your experience and in your faith this, this coming four months. Is everybody on board with that and understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so we're going to get after it. We, uh, we talk about that. We use that phrase a lot here at Second Place. But today, as we kick out off the, the get after it uh, phase of, of this year, I wanted to take today to really talk about why we do what we do, how we do it. Because I don't know if you noticed, last night I preached with a, a hat on, and um, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I told people, if you have a problem with the hat, just double check yourself because you're sitting in a warehouse, right? And this is church. You are the church. It's not about the building. And so the, the question is, why do we do what we do, how we do it? We've had a lot of questions about that. From day one, we asked ourselves, as a launch team, we said, what in the world are we going to do? Are we kidding ourselves that we're going to start another church? There's enough churches out there. And what we decided and what we found and what we, as after praying and seeking God after it, is we said what we need to do is we need to find a new expression of what church could look like. We have to ask ourselves what worked for us in our church experiences 
and maybe hold on to those things and what didn't work in our church experiences and let go of those things. And so as we talked about that, what you're experiencing today is a culmination of eight and a half years, really nine and a half years if you count the launch year where we were building up to our opening day of really praying and seeking God to say, God, what new thing are you doing in your world? And I'll tell you right now, and I might repeat this again, but I cannot and we cannot as a team and even as each other here all together, we cannot recreate some church experience that you had 10 years ago that changed your life. Can't do it. Here's the first clue. It's not 2008. So we can't go back in time and we can't recreate something. We can't recreate that moment for you. But what we can do is we can all get together and we can pray and we can ask God to show us the new thing that he's doing and to get after that. Because there is nothing, here's, what's, here's what it is. Just, I'll just say it like this. It is, like, it is so addictive when you see something new that God does among his people in the community of, of, of the kingdom, and then you see it happen where you're like, hey, man, maybe this would work. Let's try that. And then things start to happen. There is nothing more addictive than that is to see that. And that's why I'm up here today. Four and a half years ago, I was um, working full time. I was um, pouring my life into my business, and I was um, in branding and marketing and advertising and all that stuff and design, and I was doing okay, and I was fine. I had my own um, business. It was great, and then we decided to start a church, and four and a half years ago is when I took on the leadership role here at Second Place, and Sarah and I prayed about it for six months. We said, I am not sure that this is what we should be doing. But after six months of praying, we said, you know what? I'm going to set aside the business work, and I'm going to say that's, a, that's kind of like back burner. I'll still do some, but I'm going to focus my time and my effort on second place and building what God's expression looks like here. And I wouldn't change a thing, but I guess what I'm telling you right now is, is I didn't ask for this. And any pastor that's out there, even listening on the live stream, you know what I'm talking about, is that when you get to this point, you go, I would have never asked for this. But I chose it, and God chose me. And I said, you know what, let's go. I said, yes, let's do this thing. And so this is exciting stuff. So what you're seeing is a microcosm of, a, like, literally a miracle. There's no reason why a dirty, old, dingy, dusty warehouse, like, literally we mop, we clean it every single week, and there's still dust in it. You know, it's just crazy. There's no reason why we should all be here today, but you know what? God is doing something, and I'm excited about that. So my first question to you is, well, the whole question is, why we do what we do, how we do it? I'm going to break it up into three pieces, and then we're going to roll out of here. We're going to go fast, and we're going to look at a lot of Scripture. Are you guys ready? Okay, cool. Let's start this, the, with this. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Here's the thing I'm going to tell you. It's on our stuff. It's on our shirts. It's on those windows over there. You'll see it in different places. It is all about Jesus first. It is all about Jesus. If we look at the passage from 1 Timothy 4, it's the passage we actually looked at last week in its entirety, but I just wanted to highlight verse 10. Look at what it says. Literally, Paul's telling Timothy, this is why. This is why. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. This is why we labor and strive. This is why we 
don't sleep at night sometimes trying to figure out what God wants us to do. This is why we strive to open up a child care center or to create a nonprofit called Provision Lab or to create Historia and the coffee that you guys are enjoying today. All of these things, this is why we labor and strive. Why? Because we have put our hope, we have, everyone say hope. We have, you guys are awake. We have put our hope in the president. No. We have put our hope in our bank account. Yeah. Everyone's like, no hope there. I'm with you on that. We have put our hope in our jobs. No. We have put our hope in the boss that can give us the promotion and get us to the place that we need to be in our career. No. We have put our hope in our 401k. Some of you are like, what's a 401k? I'm going, you know what? My 401k is sorry. There's no hope there. We put our hope in a, a diagnosis from a doctor. No. We put our hope in um, a relationship, that special someone in our life. No. We put our hope. We want to keep going? We put our hope in that new outfit we got where we look really good. And we're going to be like, this is what it's all. We put our hope in getting married someday. We put our hope in figuring out how to fix our marriage that we're in right now. No to all of that. We put our hope in who? Jesus Christ. That is why we do what we do. Is because Jesus is the one that can change everything I just talked about. He is the healer. He is the one that can take a diagnosis. He's the one that can take a broken relationship. And he's the one that can bring to that situation and all of those situations a remedy that the world cannot offer. And I'll tell you that to the day that we close up shop here, which I hope is like 500 years from now, is that we will always say it is Jesus first. And if we don't understand that the reason we do what we do, why we do what we do, is because of what Jesus did for us, man, we have missed it. We have missed it. Why we do what we do. Our hope, and we have put our hope in Jesus. That is why we labor and strive. All right, let's hit time out. Everyone say time out. What I want you to do, stand up. Take a breather. Greet someone around you and say, why are you here right now? Along with God and allowing him to direct us to do that. And then having grace in the conversations for people who don't agree with us. The fact that we have a room full today of people who I will guarantee that you disagree with a bunch of people in this room. But we can agree on one thing. Jesus first. And home first. And others first. Everyone always asks, why are there three things in the first place? I don't know. It just is, all right? The third thing is others first. And when I think about others first, we're thinking about developing influence with others. And just to understand what our model is for that, Philippians 2, we look at that and we know that what it is, it's all about Jesus again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So how do you develop influence with others? Some of you are like, man, I've lived next to my neighbors for 20 years and I don't even know their first name. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The way that you develop influence with other people who are not like you is you invest in them. Yesterday we had our neighbors, uh, their, their little baby turn one. And man, it was a busy day. But I found a way to get over there and have a taco. 
and, and be able to greet them and say hello. And I figured it out. But man, I, I invested a very little bit in them. Because when you invest in them, the true way to invest in someone is when you serve them. Is when you hold the door open. When you are able to somehow do something for them or just be there for them. To listen to them. To encourage them. To be the person that finally answers their phone call. This is what it means to serve people. And I will guarantee you that as you serve people, you will see, sense an investment and they will sense that. And you will build up influence in their life until the point at which they will need to know about Jesus. And you will have an opportunity to invite them to him. But don't think that you can just be next door to somebody for 20 years and all of a sudden just give them a little flyer about Alpha and expect them to come. If you haven't invested, if you haven't served them, it's going to be difficult in today's day and age for people to say yes to that. Are you down? I love that. Awesome. Let's keep going. Actually, um, Leadership Summit was just a few weeks ago. There was a person that said, uh, was talking about um, a study that was uh, a bunch of students, and one by one they were talked to by the professor. And what they were told um, was that you have a presentation to give um, today, and it turns out it's in five minutes. You have to go do your, your presentation um, for your grade for the semester. You have to go do it now. Um, and so I need you to go across campus, and I need you to do your presentation now. And so one by one they were told this, and so that they are rushing over to give their presentation. And this study, what they did is they planted someone between where they were told that and where their classroom was to present. And that person that was planted was acting as if they were in distress. They were hurt or they needed help in a big way. How many people out of that group do you think stopped to help the person in distress on the way to give their presentation? What percentage do you think? I'll go with it. 10% is exactly right. Is that, like, give you no hope in humanity? I mean, brutal, right? Does it change it if I were to tell you that those students were seminary students? Real life stuff, man. When we put others first, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter about all the different things you want to say. It's whether or not you're willing to get dirty in the mess and in the middle of life. There's a quote, um, I think, in there, um, Amy, from Chuck Colson's book. It's adapted from this. He basically says, Christianity is real. It isn't just reasonable ideas and ideals. It can be lived out by real people in the mess of real life, mixed together with the rich fragrance of tomato sauce simmering on the stove. Friends sitting, sitting cross-legged on the floor as another pours out their heart. This is the essence of Jesus first, home first, and others first. Anybody love pasta? Yeah, like I, I'm hungry just reading that. But let me give you the strategy, and I'll try to wind this down fairly quickly. The strategy is this. This is a really high bar, is that we want to create unbelievable experiences where people are inspired and empowered to pursue Jesus first, home first, and others first. If you stick around this place long enough, you will know that we are all about experiences, we're not about programs. We're about experiences. And to create an unbelievable experience is a pretty high bar. But I believe that with God and with the Holy Spirit, this happens all the time here and 
anywhere where they're walking with the Lord. This, is, this idea of an unbelievable experience happens all the time. This right here is an unbelievable experience for me every week. Because I'm like, they showed up again. Okay, we're going to keep going. This is awesome. Let's go. But it's unbelievable. And I, I think what for me... 1 Chronicles 12.32, this is when David is, is basically going to take power from Saul, and the tribes are starting to kind of weigh in and saying, like, we're with you, man, we're with you, man, we're with you, man. And then this one tribe from Issachar, these guys, it says it this, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They were becoming part of David's crew, that they somehow understood the times and they knew what to do. This is what it's all about, to surround ourselves with people who understand the times and knew what to do. Another passage that really kind of gets at what we do is Nehemiah 8.8. And this is where they are back from exile, and they're talking about the book um, of the law. And it says this, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. How many of you love reading parts of the Bible that you have no idea what it means? But here, what we want to do is, and even in your life, you want to be able to have a relationship with Scripture that allows you to talk about the things that you're reading in a way that people can understand. And so if you know me, you know that I try to make it as simple as possible. And I try to help us get an action step that we can do together for the following week. That's what it's all about, is understanding what Scripture is saying. So that's what we do. And then last is how we do it. How do we do what we do? Number one, innovation. We have to be about not recreating the past. Like I said, I can't recreate your experience from 10 years ago at camp. I can't do it. But I can seek God together with you and find something new. We're going to innovate, and we're going to say that the best way to predict the future is to create it. That we're going to actually ask God to give us a vision of what it looks like to have a child care center, what it looks like to have this entire building, what it looks like to have everyone together for one service for for a month and see what God would do. We're going to ask him, and we're going to move towards that, and we're going to create that future. I talked about this a few weeks ago. One of the other things that we do and how we do it is that we do things differently. We just are tired of the things that don't work and trying to keep them going. Like, stop it already. If it doesn't work, let's kick it to the side and let's find something that does. Are you down? Let's do something different. And the last thing I'll say is this, that we're going to dream and we're going to do. I don't know who who said this. If you want the the person, I'll I'll find it for you. But it says that the world needs dreamers and doers, but what the world needs most are dreamers who do. And I hope that when you see Sarah and I, you see a little bit of an inside joke by God. Because what he did is he put two dreamers together. And sometimes the dreams are like, boop, and we're like, ah. But also, (laughs) we are dreamers who do. Not to brag on my wife, but I will for a second because she's awesome. She's killed herself trying to figure out how to get this child care center open. And she has done it. And she has done a lot of stuff. And it's because she has a vision in her mind. And I believe that God has a dream for you. Don't just be a dreamer. Be a dreamer who does as well. Um, There's a a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that the, the students will know well. 
And um, for some of us, this is what it takes to get after it this, this coming four months is because there's going to be people who talk about you, who tell you you're doing it wrong, who say that you're falling short. But it says this, it is not the critic who counts. Everybody say, it's not the critic who counts. It's not that person that counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. Oh, thanks, man. I did it wrong. Appreciate it like I didn't know. Or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. Oh, right. Awesome. Yep. We could have had cushy chairs for you. Definitely could have done that. But the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the, at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Second place, that is your story. When you get a vision of what your life is to be, and you're to get after it this semester and this end of the year, it is going to be difficult because people are going to tell you you're not doing enough. People are going to tell you that you should be doing this or that. People are going to be telling you that you're not doing it correctly. But what I'm telling you is, if you are getting after it, you are moving in the right direction. Okay. <laughs> Pregnant pause. Pregnant pause. Okay, I'll, I'll just finish it this way. When you think about, like, all this stuff, vision, mission, you know, vital relationships, strategy, all that, the question is, like, are we winning? Like, are we accomplishing that? Um, like, in, in the area of an unbelievable experience, like, that's kind of a high bar. Let me show you a picture of Love Monique. I believe that this is a picture of an unbelievable experience. This is uh, from our, our biggest outreach of the year, Love Moni, August 4th, 2018. It's the second year we did it. Um, fed like 1,200 people. Was that right? Gave food out to 500 families. We uh, had over 200 volunteers. And people are noticing that the churches are working together, the village is working together, the school district is working together, all of the civil services, like all the Will County stuff, is working together to do some good service projects throughout the morning, then giving away food, books, clothing, haircuts. People are like, is this a thing? There's no cost? No. It's unbelievable. When it comes to authentic community, look at this photo. This is this, just this past Wednesday night. You got it there, Amy? Just this past Wednesday night, this is our group of students. Let's hear it, students. Come on now. This is you. <laughs> Seventh grade to 12th grade, we had a packed house. It was awesome. But what we did is we, uh, we took the time to pray out and commission our seniors who graduated this past spring. And that kid in the ball cap is Kiefer. Keith. And Kiefer, every time we do this, I don't pray. I don't even ask a coach to pray. What I do is I say, I need a student to pray. And so Kiefer, 
who's going to be a senior, is praying for the seniors that are leaving. This is called carrying ministry weight. This is called saying the next generation isn't later, it's now. And Kiefer prayed for his friends as they left. And those, those seniors, before they were prayed for, they shared about what it is that they loved about being here. And what they talked about was the fact that they had never been a part of a community that helped them grow in their faith like this. It's authentic community, guys. Are we winning? I believe that there are places where we're winning. We have a lot to do, but we feel like things are good. The, the band can come up and we can get to the singing. But I'll share with you one last story. Are we winning? Are we accomplishing what we're setting out to do? Man, there are a million things that I want to do better. But I will tell you, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to um, a young person um, in their 20s, and they were telling me about their relationship with religion. And they said that their relationship with, with religion was complicated. What would you say to that person? Here's what I said. Mine too. My relationship with religion is complicated as well. Anybody else feel that? My relationship with religion is complicated. And so we talked a little bit about just that. And there had been people around them that had been kind of like loosely inviting this person out to church, and I kind of warned them. I'm like, hey, you know what? If, uh, if, you, if you come on out, you're going to probably hear me, so that might be a deterrent, um, but just so you know. Well, that person ended up showing up. I mean, kind of like threatened, like, hey, I'm coming this week. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, see you there. They showed up. Played it cool. This person hasn't been in church most, if not all, of their life. Creating a movement that people who don't go to church love to connect with, right? Went through that first, that first Sunday, didn't say a whole lot. I didn't say a whole lot either, and I waited. They came back a second time. I didn't freak out. I just was like, cool, creating a movement that people who don't go to church would love to connect with. Waited week three, showed up again. And through conversations, what this person has said is, I never thought that I would be able to go to church and enjoy it. But I was wrong. Are we winning? It's really not about us. You guys know that. But is God doing his thing? Yeah, he's doing his thing. So as we go to song, you guys can stand. And wherever you're at today, whether this is your first time here or this is a day that is like your hundredth time here, my hope is that you would sense what it is that God is stirring in the community here at Second Place. Because he's doing it all over the place. I pray for the churches in the area, and I know them well, and they are doing a great work. Today, we're just trying to say, what is God doing here? And when you resonate with that, here's what I hope you resonate most with, if you hear nothing else, is this. is not that you're like, oh, I'm on board with, with church. 
It's that you would even see yourself as second place. Whether you ever come back here again or not doesn't really matter to me, but if you would simply put Jesus first, home first, and others first in your life, and you would count yourself as second place, that would be my ultimate goal. So let's pray, and as we sing, um, we're going to be able to take communion. I know it's a packed house. I know you're going to have to push some chairs out of the way, but that's all right. If you've never been here before, the way that communion works is that during the next few songs, you can get up out of your seat, slip out, and you can take communion by yourself, with friends, family, pray, and remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. The why. The why. There's communion here at this table. There's communion in the middle and the back. There's communion on that side as well. And so let's do that today. This is the first weekend of the month. So this is Jesus first. And what we do is remember him in communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives, specifically, God. We know that you have brought us together to become one. And Lord, today we just are, are trying to discern what you're doing in our heart. Lord, I'm amped, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, but Lord, it's because of what I sense you doing in my own heart. And Lord, I pray for all of my friends in the room right now, that whether they walked in sensing that or not, that today, that maybe something was awakened inside their soul, that they might be able to say, I'm not okay with it the way it is, because the only thing that's standing in between me and my life changing is me. And Lord, you stand there ready to walk with them, to be with them, and to show them what change looks like in their life. So, Lord, as we sing, I pray that we would do our, our, our best to remember you in communion as we take the bread and the cup. And we remember the sacrifice that you gave on our behalf on the cross. You paid a debt that we could not pay. And it's because of that, Lord, and the resurrection thereafter that gives us life. Lord, we see Lord God, a vision of the future with you right at the center of it. So Lord we, Lord, we thank you for your love. We fix our eyes on you. Please hear us as we sing. Unbelievable experiences. That song, if you've not heard that before, it's because our students wrote that song at boot camp this year in August. And um, it's pretty unbelievable to be worshiping to a song written by teenagers, would you say? And there's two more, by the way, that are coming, just so you know. Um, I want to leave you with something that was focused on Jesus. And uh, there's a song by Martin Smith that's out right now that's uh, called Leap of Faith. And within that, there's a spoken word. I'm not going to try to do it justice. I'm just going to read it, all right? Um, it's about Jesus. He's the king that gave up his throne for the fallen, finding purpose in the mess and beauty in the broken. He's the rule-breaking rebel that tore up the laws with a love so reckless it broke down death's doors. Friend of the forgotten and lover of the lost that leaves the 99 every single time, no matter the cost. He's the depth of the earth and the beat in your chest, creator of the universe that moves my every breath. He's the splitter of seas and he walks on water, bringing peace in storms like he's friends with thunder, knocking down giants and curing cancer. Just the mention of his name makes the enemy shatter. 
So we won't stay silent. We won't be afraid. Because guess what? God and us share the same DNA. The freedom we'll find when we take a leap of faith. Because we're made to be wild. We weren't made to play it safe. So we risk it all for a life of revival. Because Jesus, you're the one who has no rival. It's only when we're falling that we learn how to fly. This is the leap of faith. Second place, as you go, as you go, um, may you be light in dark places. May you live out the priorities that are critical in your life. That you would be a personification of 1 Timothy 4.10. It says, the reason why I labor and strive is because that I have put my hope in Jesus. And when you're around, may people sense something different, not because of anything that you have, but simply because you share the same DNA as God. And that the room is different because Jesus is with you. I pray for those of us today that are struggling, that are far from God in our minds, maybe in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would have the faith to take that leap, to take that step towards you, to talk to someone about that, to share about where we're at. And Lord, that you would allow us all to connect in a deeper way outside of these four walls. That as we move into a series about being one, that this room would be full and it would be overflowing, not because of numbers, but simply because it's a personification of what you're doing in the body, Lord God. Help us to see what no one else sees so we can experience things that no one else is experiencing. Lord, we thank you for all this. We thank you for the life that you're giving. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you, God, because Jesus, you are truly first. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.